0: Let me just share something real quick. This isn't in my sermon, but uh, yesterday, Michael, the photographer, um, we actually met him in Brazil in 2017 on our trip. that We took 10 from here, and uh, he was on our bus for the trip, and so we got to know him really well. And so the first time we've seen him since that trip was yesterday at the wedding. And uh, we got talking at the table, and he was telling me how God's been teaching him how to receive healing. and Because uh, some people struggle, and like, if you can't receive a gift from a human, how are you going to struggle receiving a gift from God, right? So if you struggle receiving a gift from humans, you need to get over that, swallow some pride, because it's going to hinder you how you receive from God too. But anyway, he was telling me how he received, and uh, I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, Tuesday, I was feeling kind of sick. I had some cold and sinuses issues going on, and I knew this wedding's coming up. I didn't want to miss it, because uh, he really you know, loves Aaron and everyone to be here. Anyway, and uh, he said, all I did is I just sat, I guess, went my room, sat down, I got in God's presence. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this or not, but sometimes you get in God's presence, you just feel like it's almost like a glow or something is like all over you. Or or a heat in your hands when you're praying for somebody, something like that. And he goes, All I did was I took I was able to move that feeling of glow from my hands to my head where my sinus congestion and pain was. How you do that? I don't know. It's just his eye imagination of his mind. And he just Waited like that for like five minutes and boom, he was totally, he was totally gone. And it just, he was in five minutes. He goes, I've been practicing that for several months now. He goes, this worked every time. Like, he goes, I've never heard anyone teach on this. I said, neither have I. Neither have I. But that's really cool. But I've, I've done, I felt when I pray for the sick and I'm releasing something, I felt that in my hand, but not in the receiving end. So remember that yourselves, guys. You start feeling symptoms or something. Just get along with Jesus. Soak in his presence. Let his presence minister to that area. Where you need to be touched and just watch what God does. Amen. Uh, Dale told me today how he uh, woke up with vertigo a little while ago. How long ago? Thursday. And uh, multiple times he tried to get up and he was feeling <coughs> dizzy. If you've ever had that, it's uh, definitely demonic, nasty stuff. And um, he just prayed, got up, and then he was better after. after. And so, guys, we, we have a Savior who cares what every. Little thing or big thing we go through in life, Amen, Amen. So I'm going to talk to you guys today about something unusual, something kind of fun. I don't think I've ever talked about this topic in our church ever before, or anywhere else for that matter. But it's uh, the title of my message is called "Prophetic Acts," Prophetic Acts in the Bible. And uh, you know, God speaks many ways to people. He speaks through the Bible, of course. He speaks through the inward witness, the still small voice. He speaks through people. Prophets, pastors, teachers, tongues, interpretations, spiritual gifts, all those things, God speaks. But sometimes he speaks without saying a word. Like this morning, uh, you may have come in with some anxiety or feeling something. But then you got into God's presence. And he, you may have not heard God say, anxiety go or something like that or peace come. But you got into God's presence and he communicated his peace to you just by getting in his presence. Like when you first walk in the room to a time worship is about done, usually you feel different than when you come in, right? So even though you didn't necessarily hear God say, even though we did hear him say stuff later, like you're beautiful, you're my son and my daughter, but you also, he communicated things to you like it's going to be okay and other things by feeling his peace and his presence on your life. So God speaks to us in many different ways, but sometimes he wants to speak to you and to other people through prophetic acts. Now, there's a lot of examples in the Bible today. I, didn't, I couldn't even, if I was to go through every one of them in the Bible, I'd probably have to do this for a, a big series because there's so many of them. But we're going to look at a bunch of them today, and then I'm going to share you some that uh, we have seen in this church, personally experienced. And then, I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to say it now in faith, so I have to hold myself to it. And then, at the end, God's going to speak to me or one of you guys, and we're going to do a prophetic act as a congregation. His prophetic acts do things in the spirit realm. Even though we can't see it, What, what we when we obey something God tells us to do, there's a, a release of what he's wanting to release when we obey what he wants us to do, even when it's odd, even when it's strange. A lot of the prophetic acts in the Bible, they're pretty odd. They're pretty unusual. You're like, well, why would God want me to do that? It doesn't matter why. Really, we got to get past the logic. It, it matters that he told you to do it, right? Uh, we don't need to know the why, but I'm going to look at some stories with you guys uh, from Old and New Testament of some prophetic acts of things God asked His servants to do. And praise God, these ones did it. I wonder how many other ones He spoke that didn't make the book because they were afraid and didn't do it. Because sometimes there there's some extreme things. We'll, I'll show you these. So first we're going to look at is from Exodus 17, 11 through 13. And so it was when Moses held up his hand... That Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand, uh, Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with with the edge of the sword. So, what a strange story, right? You imagine there's this big war going on. Moses is on top of this mountain with his brother and her, whoever her was. I looked up who her might be, and her might be his nephew, or it could be another close relative. But anyway, someone close to the family. And Moses is pushing 80 or, he's 80 or more. He's up there, and if he has his hands out over the people while they're fighting, they're, they're winning the war but his hands got tired and weary like anybody's arms would get tired and weary. His friends and family members, the 12 tribes of Israel that are down there fighting, he's having friends and loved ones getting killed by the sword or arrows or something because his arms were not. up. So he puts his arms up, then his friends come and help hold his arms up, and while they're up, he's winning. It's some kind of prophetic act of of something that he set his hands up, and they're winning the war. It just makes me wonder sometimes what things... Is God asking us to do sometimes and we're not winning the war like we should be because there's some action he wants us to put to it not just our words or not just a, well God knows my heart well God knows me you know what that is I'm just going to be more blunt with you guys today you know what that really is whether it's me or you it's pride it's self-consciousness it's self-centeredness and it's pride what's so-and-so going to think it's God guys <laughs> he should be the chief it should matter what he thinks, amen? So uh, we might be doing some things. I don't, I, I'm a little nervous. that like, God, you're not going to tell me what the prophetic act is before I get to church? Nope. So this morning, I'm like, okay, God, it's Sunday. Uh, are you going to tell me what the prophetic act is? Not yet. Like, well, when? Like, <laughs> when? You get? So you'll know when you know, so I still don't know. So uh, anyway, so, uh, so something happened on the battlefield as Moses put out his hands. as a prophetic act. The next one is in 2 Kings 13, 15 through 19. And Elijah said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, the guy's name is Joash, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hand on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. Imagine this, he's not just talking to like a guy down the road or his cousin, he's talking to the king. And this king is doing everything he's telling him to do. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians of Ephek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, Take the arrows, so he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till it was, had, till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Assyria only three times. What a weird story, right? Okay. So the, he visits the king. He says, "Shoot an arrow. I brought some arrows. I was going to bring a bow, but the only one I had was a compound bow. And I know they didn't have compound bows back then. But I don't know which way is east. Anyone know which way is east? Is it this way? Uh, it's, so it's it's." this way over to Gerald, And he opened a window and, and he shot this out the window. This is the king, right? Like, like we're thinking, what are we doing? Well, there's nobody out there. Why am I doing this, right? That's what we'd probably be thinking. But th- because the prophet told him to do it, he did it. So he shoots this arrow out the window and he's fine. Then he says, now strike the arrows on the ground. So he took the, uh, the rest of his arrows and he struck them on the ground. Now, I don't know if his heart wasn't into it or what, but Elisha didn't say how many times to strike the ground, did he? He just said, strike the ground. So he, he does this little, now are you happy? Maybe, I don't, I don't know if that's how he did it, or maybe he did it in faith, I don't know what he did. But whatever he did, he wasn't good enough. And he says, if you would have struck the ground five or six times, they would have been t- completely wiped off the planet and totally annihilated and destroyed, but instead only did it three times, they're only strike them, they're going to win in battle three times, but weren't going to be able to completely destroy them. So something that they did in the natural, a prophetic act in the natural, that had a, had an impact in the spiritual on if they're going to win that war or not. Now, could it be possible that if that could happen against physical, natural enemies like Syria was to Jerusalem and Israel at that time, could it be possible there's some things you might need to strike, you might need to lift your hands up to, you might need to do something in the natural to help you win a, a war in the physical and in the spiritual? I think it's possible, amen? I think it's probably probable. Um, I'll tell you another story. This one's really, they're all weird, but this one's definitely, I think, maybe the weirdest one of the day until I share my own, and they're pretty weird too. But uh, Ezekiel 5, 1 through 4, it says, uh, and this is Ezekiel, it says, And you, son of man, take a sharp sword. Take it as your barber's razor. Pass it over your head and your beard. Then take scales to weigh and divide the hair. You shall burn with fire one-third in the midst of the city when the uh, when the days of the siege are finished. Then you shall take one-third and strike around it with a sword, and one-third you shall scatter in the wind. I will draw out a sword after them. Now, could you imagine being Ezekiel that day? So I bought a little sword. I think actually, if I remember right, I think Jordan made this. Didn't you make this, Jordan? Years ago? Where did this come from? Anyway, I found it in my basement, but... Anyway, we've got a little wooden sword here. And uh, I was trying to get Terry to be a volunteer to help me with the hair thing today, but he already did it before I got a chance to t- tell him. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, Ezekiel had hair, and he had a beard, and he took a sharp sword and he shaved his head. He shaved his beard. Then he had to get scales and put his hair on these scales and divide it into thirds. That's weird all all, all by itself before you even start burning it and stuff, right? <laughs> So he divides it into thirds. He burns one third of the hair, because God told him to. Then he puts another pile on the ground. He strikes around the hair on the ground like this with, with his sword. I mean, maybe he hit the hair too, I don't know, but he's hitting around with the hair. the hair. And then the other third of the hair he, he scatters into the wind. Now how would you like to be Ezekiel that day when God's speaking to you? And he didn't tell him to burn the city at the, at the town, his hair at the town dump. He didn't tell him to burn it in your backyard or in your little fire at home. He told him to take a third of the hair and burn it in the middle of the city. It wasn't this hidden thing in our four walls of the church. It was in the middle of their town and their city in Jerusalem. That's a pretty big deal. So how would you like to be the one doing that prophetic act that day? Shaving your hair, shaving your beard, and burning it. And you're like, that guy Ezekiel, man, he's lost his mind. You see what he did today? He's, he's totally bald. Doesn't have a beard anymore now. And now he's burning his hair. He's throwing some in the wind. He's beating the sword on the ground all around it. And they're going to think he's just a fool. And you know what? God... Um, Things of this world, they will look foolish to other people that don't understand. But when God asks us to do something, He really does want us to do it. You know, and one third of the people in that in the in their city uh, was uh, died from pestilence and famine. Jerusalem was in sin; they were in rebellion against God. They had idols and were worshiping other gods, and they were not acting the way they should. And Ezekiel was, had warned them before, and this was the final straw. He said, "All right, enough." And God. One-third of them died by pestilence and famine. One-third of them uh, fell by the sword, and the other third were scattered in the wind with soldiers chasing them after them with swords trying to hunt them down. And his prophetic act was symbolic of what was about to happen in Jerusalem. So I don't really want to do that one. But uh, (laughs) I don't have a lot of hair, but I still like what I have. But, uh, But God speaks through not just words, sometimes through prophetic acts to tell us what's going on. He also speaks in prophetic acts for healing. Okay, in second Kings five, ten through fourteen and Elisha sent a messenger to him that him is Nahum, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Uh, Jordan, I was baptized in Jordan, so was John and Dave and Mark, and it's not clean water, it looks like a brown mud puddle, I mean, it just, it doesn't look good, and Naam was offended, like, there's got to be cleaner water than this in your little town, or your little uh, Israel, you know, why you got to do it here, and, um, you know, his assistant said, listen, if he would have told you to do something complicated, like kill all these people, you would have done it, why can't you do this, and he finally did it, and verse 14 says, so he went down and dipped seven times into Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. If he would not have obeyed this prophetic act of dipping seven times. Why seven times? I don't know, but it's because God said so. If God would have said three, it would have been three. If he would have said ten, it would have been ten. But his only way for him to get rid of the leprosy was to do what God said. And so sometimes it's not just us laying hands on somebody, or I bless you in Jesus' name. Sometimes God may ask you to do something, some kind of prophetic act. It may be giving some money. If you have a tough time giving money, that might be a very thing that God might want you to give because your healing could be on the other side of your gift. It's a prophetic act. It's a, it's an act of faith. So he had to go and dip in that nasty water seven times. Um, and when he came up, though, his skin was like the skin of a little child, brand new. Can I mean, you imagine seeing that? You guy's like, oh, he looks the same. He's down th- That's three. You know, no difference. His nose still looks funny. Uh, five times, six times, seven times. Whoa. And what do you say then? And I'm telling you, I just wonder sometimes when we pray for people and they're not healed, I wonder sometimes, is there some kind of prophetic act we need to do? Or is there some kind of demonic influence here? Is, is there someone they need to forgive? There's a lot of factors sometimes we pray for people to receive healing. And, they don't, and it doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes there's something else we might need to do. And we, that's why I want to just make us aware that we need to be sensitive to this, of what else God might be saying. Amen. Another example, Luke 17, 12-14. Then he then he entered a certain village. There uh, met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when they saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priests. And so it was that when as they went, they were cleansed. So it was the law back in those days, the uh, the lepers had to be out of the city. They couldn't go near people. Those was 10 of them approached Jesus. They stood afar off, and they were hoping he'd pray for them or do something for them, touch them, do something. And he, all he said was, go show yourself to the priest. They're so thinking like, what's that going to do? Like, we're not allowed in the city. We can't go to the priest unless we're healed, unless we're cleansed. We're supposed to go, and they offer sacrifice, declaring that they're healed. What is that going to do? But he did it. They did it. All 10 of them did it. Only one came back to say thank you. But All 10 of them, as they went, as they walked towards town, as they walked towards the priests, as they went to, in faith into where they had to go, as they walked and went, they were healed. Some kind of prophetic act, and it was also in faith. Also, you think of in the New Testament example of that, Jesus told that blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he, he went there, washed the mud that Jesus stuck in his eyes, and think, that wasn't very nice. Why did you do that, Jesus? <laughs> he so <laughs> made some mud, stuck it in the guy's eyes, now he had to walk. Imagine that, his prophetic act was, blind man walking, mud in his face, walk all through town, get to the pool, find his way down there blind, wash the mud out of his eyes, and then he's healed. I just wonder sometimes there might be some stuff that God might want us to do. I actually heard a, a story of this. I was in, uh, I was eating at a restaurant in Roanoke with a friend, and uh, these guys behind us overheard us talking, and they heard us talking about miracles and things, and they started telling me some but how they, they were in India, I think it was, and it was a guy that was blind, and they were near, the, near some water. And he goes, all I could think of was Jesus making mud. So he literally made some mud, stuck it in this guy's eye, around his eyes. He said, now go wash it up. was thinking, I hope this works. <laughs> and he did it, and the guy was totally healed. So uh, yeah, Jesus still does that. And uh, we also see prophetic acts for debt cancellation. Debt cancellation. Now listen. Okay, now I get your attention. If you're, if you're struggling with sickness, you're listening. And if you're struggling with some debt, you listen. All right, 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. This is a pretty dire situation for this woman. Her husband just died. She's he left them in debt, and now that she had no way to pay it back, and they're going to come take her sons to be slaves, and she be home all by herself. Just went from a full family down to just her, overnight. So Elijah said to her, "What shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in your house." And she said, "Your maid servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil." I'm telling you, sometimes what you need from the Lord is already in your house. It's already in your hand. What he said to Moses. What do I do? He said, "What's in your hand?" He had a rod in his hand. That was all he needed. What's in your house? There's a jar of oil. I don't have anything else. But she had a jar of oil. He said, "That's enough." So then he said, "Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. He's saying, gather a bunch. Go to them all. Get as many as you can get. Bring them all to your house. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels." And set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it poured in, poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, "Bring me another vessel." And he said to her, "There is not another vessel." So the oil ceased. Then then she came and told the man of God, and he said, "Go sell the oil and pay pay your debts, and you and your sons live on the rest." She was now financially set for life, and she could have had more if she would have had more friends and more vessels. Because the oil only ran out when the when the vessels ran out. Okay, this is a supernatural, prophetic act that took faith on her part, who was to listen to the prophet what he told her to do. Then they had to humble themselves, go to all their neighbors' homes, and say, "Can I have a Can I have a vessel? Well, what do you want a vessel for? I just need it. Well, can I? Well, you know, I'm not going to give it to you unless you tell me. Like well, I don't want to tell you. I, I don't. I mean, she might not even know what's going to happen yet." Why we got these vessels and had no idea? And it takes humility, right? She had to go and ask for help. Sure, she gave those vessels back after she sold the oil, right? But uh, she supernaturally got all of her debts canceled, and supernaturally had enough for her and her sons to live on for the rest of their lives. And if they needed more, they probably maybe had some more oil. Hey, let's start it again. <laughs> Amen. God has a way, guys. There is not an issue in our lives that you can come into, you can uh, come into contact with that God doesn't have a solution, but it might not look like the way you think it should look. It might not look like going to the bank to get a loan, or doing this, or doing that. It might look like something different. You might say, what's in your house? What do you have? He might tell you to start a business. I don't know what he'll tell you. But God has a way to help cancel debts. Amen? you got to act in wisdom, too. You can't, like well, like they did in uh, 1988. Some of them believe that Jesus was coming back in 1988, and they went out and racked up all this debt and bought all this stuff and thought, well, I'm not going to have to pay this back. I'm getting raptured out of here. i will just leave all this debt. Guys, that's not good. I mean, my goodness, that's foolish. And guess what? Jesus didn't come back. Then they had all that debt and put them in trouble for years to come. Um, so God cares about all those things. So the prophetic act for them was collecting as many vessels as they could from their neighbors, pouring the oil out in faith, and then going and selling those the oil and returning the vessels. Guys, sometimes it isn't just, God, help me. Sometimes there's a prophetic action, some kind of action he wants you to do to cooperate with what he's asking you to do. Amen. All right, another example: Second Kings six four through seven. And so he went to them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, "Alas, Master! For it was borrowed." So the so the man of of God said, "Where did it fall?" And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and it, it made the iron float. Wow. Therefore, he said, Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. That's supernatural debt cancellation. He borrowed an axe. It fell in. He didn't uh, have his own axe, he had to borrow one. It was in the water. It must have been deep enough or strong enough current that he couldn't find it or see it or dive in there to get it. And he cut down a tree or a stick, throws it into the spot where the thing fell. There's no way in the natural that should do anything. I could go with a little stick, and like, oh, it's just floating down the river. i do anything, right? But when God told him to do it, he cut the stick, he threw it in the, wa- the water, and the thing floated. Just like when he threw in that stick of the tree into the waters that were bitter, and they became sweet. He made that axe head float. Guys, there's way, ways God has to help us, but sometimes there's going to take some action behind uh, his instructions, not just a prayer. Amen? And also in Matthew 17, last one, it says, Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and for you. So Peter got to go fishing. You know Peter was a fisherman? He was probably like, all right, I'm going to get a break here. The Pharisees came, do you pay taxes? And whose, whose coin is this? Whose face is on the coin kind of thing? He says, not to offend them, we're going to pay our taxes. So he gets them to go fishing. So Peter had to go get his his prophetic act, he had to go get his fishing stuff together, which who knows how far away that was, or or buy a hook or line from somewhere. He had to walk to the Sea of Galilee. He had to get to his spot, get some bait, and he had to throw the hook in there and then wait for that fish to come by and then catch it. And the very first one he caught had a two-piece drachma in his mouth that paid Jesus' tax and his own tax. That's supernatural debt cancellation. I want to catch a fish like that, amen. I like catching fish, with that'd be like, squeezing the sides, like, hey, what you got in there? I like, another hook or a worm in there. I've seen that, but I haven't seen any money in there yet. But, uh, guys, there's, there's things sometimes the Lord asks us to do. And when we partner with our actions, it's a demonstration of our faith, what we really believe, and God moves, amen. So now I'm going to tell you a few personal stories of ones we've done here at the church, ones we've seen. Um, Years ago, I think I was praying for Mark, but I remember for sure Mark was there. We were in the back room, and we we're—I think I was praying for Mark. I was praying for—he had some back pain or something—and as I was praying for him, I felt like the Lord said, "Fiery dart," and uh, I'm like, I just somehow just knew. I would never seen it done before, never heard it done before. But I just somehow knew, and so I just had my hand over his back, and I felt like, like yeah, it's right here. And in the spirit, I just kind of grabbed it and pulled it out, and he like. He like moved. Like he didn't even see me. His he, he was facing the direction. And then he's like, the pain was gone. And he was like, How'd you know how to do that? I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I just God just said do this and I was trying to sense what to do. Since then I've done that in Brazil and other places as well. But um the Bible talks about the devil shooting fiery darts at the enemy at us, amen. And his shield of faith knocks him out. So anytime we get out of faith, it's possible some of those darts can hit us, amen. So uh so that was one prophetic act, pulling this out, and the pain left. Another one, I told this before. Some of you may have heard it, but it's a crazy story. At uh, 2008 in Brazil, uh, we were, someone asked me to lead uh, the intercession uh, time during the, during the preaching. And Mark is back in the back praying right now, interceding for you guys all to stay awake and pay attention to, and all that kind of stuff. and You'll receive. Um, but it was during the intercession they asked me to lead. And I guess because I was an adult, they figured I knew what I was doing, but I had no idea what, what is in your seed while we're preaching we never did that growing up I, did, I didn't know but if you think about it the devil comes to steal the word that was sown worship is intercession So the devil's after the seed going out i mean that's uh that's what he's trying to do he immediately comes to steal the seed of the word he doesn't wait till my three points my poem is over he's coming immediately amen so um i'm in brazil they asked me to leave this intercession time i'm sure and it was casey and seth and patrick and holly and some other ones that i don't remember were there And uh, I was like, "Okay, God, I have no idea what to do. What do you want me to do?" And so it's this really big uh, sanctuary in the back corner. We were there, and they had this like uh, material, just a thin sheet kind of thing, blocking us in this corner, so we could still hear the service, but we could—they couldn't see us. And I was just like, "What do you want me to do?" And honestly, instantly, I heard, "I want you to throw Holy Ghost hand grenades." I'm like, "Say what? Like, was that you, God? Because I never had that thought in my life, and I don't think I've ever had it really since." like, can you say that again, please, a little slower, and I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I want you to throw Holy Ghost hand grenades, like, what does that even mean or look like, and so anyway, I walked up to the crew, and I said, this is going to be weird, but praise God, we're in Brazil, no one knows us here, and it just, what happens in Brazil stays in Brazil, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that's what my thought, but anyway, so uh, I was like, I heard God say, let's uh, throw Holy Ghost hand grenades out on the people while we're preaching, and immediately, praise God for teenagers and young people. They're like, let's do it. Like, okay, all right. Well, I So I didn't really know what to do. So I said, well, just pretend you have a grenade in your hand. And then uh, when you're ready, everyone pull the pin. And on three, we're just going to just throw, throw it out there, make the motion of throwing it out there, a prophetic act while they're preaching. And so we're, I don't know, it was probably like 10 of us along the line. And uh, we all did it. Like one, two, three, all like when we threw it. And honestly, uh, there was an explosion in, this, in the spirit realm. And we were all knocked back off of the line that we were standing on. Like, we all were, we were here. Next thing you know, we were all, like, here in a straight line. Like, we were at it like, whoa. Did you guys feel that? All like, yes, that really worked. Why? I don't know why. And why? I guess because God said so. We're like, let's do it again. <laughs> and so we did it again. We got on line. This time, we're like, let's name them something. So we started naming. We're going to throw this one at depression. And so, and we just, then. it's, you just feel this. It was it was happening in the spirit realm going on in the service. It was amazing. Do you remember some of the other ones we called them? Abandonment and just a bunch of different things, uh, going after single mothers and different things that were having uh, trouble with, depression and stuff, just challenges of life. And, and uh, another time I felt like um, the spirit of heaviness, let's just push it out of here like we did last Sunday. Was, let's push that spirit of heaviness just out of here. And as soon as we said it as a group, the guy preaching, it was... Um, will hart he said the spirit of has just left this place the exact second we did that he couldn't see us but we could still hear him i'm like man this is really working and it was i can't there was other things going on but guys there's stuff that we can do in the in the natural that has a spiritual impact and uh and we can partner with what god wants to do even if it looks a little bit weird even if it looks a little odd to some who cares if someone gets delivered from depression who cares if someone gets delivered from suicide and uh, all these kind of thoughts because we made it look weird by going like, you know, if that's all I got to do for someone to get delivered to that. Praise God. Let's throw them all day. <laughs> Amen. Um, another story. Uh, this happened. We were all on lockdown. No one was allowed to come to church just a few months ago. And we were here one night uh, pre-recording the service for our Sunday morning. I think we did it on a Friday night. And after I preached and we did the worship and everything, Holly, um, actually, why don't you come up and tell that story? Come on, you said you would. You're going to tell it better because she's going to sit over there and tell me everything I say wrong. So I was here, might as well just let you do it the right way from, from there. <laughs>
1: no. um, anyway, so I was just really moved the whole service. It was unusually strong presence of the Lord, and it was just, you know, a very small handful of us. But um, the Lord started showing me this huge circle. It started about here, and went around. And it went around. Um, You know, if you can imagine, this huge circle. But I felt the Lord say that it was a well cap. It was this huge, thick rubber, like a Tupperware lid, but very thick, very heavy. And I felt him say it was capping a well and for us to uncap it. And so I told the crew, I'm like, okay, (laughs) you might think this is very strange. It is very strange. But I really feel like the Lord showed me this. And I feel like he wants us, if you are willing to partner with this, come up here and let's uncap this well and so we did we got over here we all got down we counted to three and then we lifted that thing up and you could feel the gush of the well of the holy spirit that that shot out of there Um, marshall said he even felt wet like his pants felt wet from the water that came out and um And so, and I felt it was um, like a glory well and revival well, but we went around and God just gave us different names for it of what was just pouring out of this well. So weird, yes. Awesome, yes. Um, But even that next, I think it was the next week, David Mark was in here and he walked in. I was like, hmm, wonder if he's going to feel something. And he got to about here and he was like, whoa, (laughs) what? There's something right here. But he felt it just walking in. No one had shared that story with him. And um, so very awesome.
0: Amen. Okay, so you know the Bible says we're peculiar people? That means weird. right? If you don't know, peculiar means weird, odd. And so um, I think we've forfeited some of our spiritual birthright, if you will, for decently and in order. We've traded the glory of God for traditions of men and it's made the word of God of no effect and no power. If we could do something like as simple as that, lifting off a lid because we can't see it, but we couldn't. I mean, he couldn't see what he's doing. He's knocking the arrows on the ground. Moses didn't know until he saw people losing uh, when he put his hands down. All those examples, burning the hair, all the different things, those are really weird things. But, some, but God, God spoke all of those things to the people. And so now today, uh, are we going to do what he asked us to do, amen? One more story, then we're going to do something maybe weird. I don't know yet. I'm hoping you guys pray, too. Maybe he's going to tell one of you guys what we're doing, because I still don't know. Uh, But anyway, um, last one. I think it was Noah and Valerie saw a wall outside um, of our church right out there, right where the concrete meets the pavement, right by the front doors here. And it was, I don't remember how how, how tall it was. It was made of bricks. And the, the wall was called fear. And each of the bricks had a different... Type of fear on there, fear of this, fear of that, and um, and it's causing people not to come to our church. This wall, and that very morning, uh, Dale was in the parking lot, and this couple showed up to come to our church. They had masks on, and um, and they sit, they talked to Dale in the parking lot, and they said, uh, "Will anyone else be wearing a mask in there?" And we said, "Probably." He said, "Probably not, but you're more than welcome to. And you can social distance. There's lots of room." And uh, they didn't feel like coming. They went back in their car and they left. So the very morning that happened, is the ve- in, the, in the evening, they saw a wall out there in front of a church that was hindering people in the spirit realm from coming to our church. Do you know the devil doesn't want people to come to our church? Because the devil doesn't want you to come to our church. He wants you to sleep in every Sunday. He wants you to uh, have some excuse to not come. Because there is freedom here. There is truth here. God's spirit is here. And so uh, we were up there praying. There was, I don't know, eight or ten of us upstairs praying on a Sunday night. And we're like, well, what should we do with this wall? And I think Noah wanted like, let's knock it down. I'm like, all right. So we're like, what do we do? So uh, again, I think it was Noah, he saw like a battering ram. It's weird, guys. Praise God. It was a little weird. So we're like, all right. Well, we were thinking of the olden days. And we used to knock down the door of the castles. You know, they're trying to get in to fight a war. And so all of us lined up, something on this side and something on the other side. And we're holding this. It was like a, I don't know, like a telephone pole or something, kind of a log-like thing. And just we'd count on three, and just, like, pull it forward like that. And uh, I was, and I'll admit, I was feeling a little odd, a little weird, because there was no wall there. I, could, I couldn't see a wall. And we weren't standing out there, and we did it. We were upstairs and all these different things. But the first couple t- times, you just they are like, whoa, I felt that. Let's do it again. They did it again. Next time, it felt like the pole went further into the wall than it did the last time. Marshall, you were there. You remember? And uh, until we kept doing that until the wall was totally down. And so they're all saying after, it would be awesome now if all these guests start coming right, right after that. And I, Chris, I think you came shortly after that. But we, and we're thankful you're here, but we want a lot more here. because There's a lot of people in our region that need to know the truth of God's word. We don't want the devil putting walls up there that we can't see or discern without us even realizing it, why they're not coming. You know? And so uh, that was another one. So that's my last one. I told you guys they had some weird stories to tell you. But um, just because you don't see something doesn't mean it's not real. You know, sometimes you experience pain, sometimes it's a demon. I just random pain. Not every time, I'm not trying to make you afraid of every little thing, but sometimes you experience some pain, It's not, you can't see it, you, know, you didn't hurt yourself, you didn't like bang your head or arm on something, just randomly like, well, my arm just started hurting, that was so weird. In the spirit realm, that could be some kind of demon, like just poking you with something and jabbing something. Does that sound weird? Yeah, but it's true. I'll tell you an example real quick. It was like 2008, 10, somewhere in there. I was praying for pe- our church, praying for people in the church, and I had this vision, which I don't have a lot of them normally. I have more dreams and visions. But anyway, I was awake. I was praying, and I saw a guy in our church, and I saw him having neck and shoulder pain. At the same time, I saw this little green elf-looking dude thing, about this big, on his neck and shoulders, Pulling on his ears and pulling on his neck and poking him in his shoulders, had like six limbs, and it was like just like, whatever. I'm like, geez, that's weird. I've never seen anything <laughs> like that before. And so I'm, I am just like, Father, in Jesus' name, get off my friend, like that. And I just felt like a piece. So I'm like, I'm curious, because i would never had that happen before. So I called the guy up, didn't tell him what I saw, because he would have freaked out. Uh, I did not tell him. But I said, Were you just having neck and shoulder pain just a little while ago? He goes, Yes, I was. He's like, How did you know? I said, Oh, I was just praying for you. I kind of felt that. And he goes, man, it was so bad, I just got in the shower because it was hurting me so bad. He goes, but while I was in the shower, it just kind of went away. I'm like, well, praise God, I was praying for you. I didn't, again, didn't tell him rest. So it's, it's not a theology that every time you have a pain, some demon's poking you. I'm just saying sometimes what you're experiencing isn't just physical stuff. Like when you're prayed for and you have pain in your body, and it moves from your right shoulder to your left shoulder. That's not normal. You guys get me? If you had pain in your right shoulder because you bumped it on the wall, it's never going to move to your other shoulder. It's never going to happen. If it does that, 100% of the time, it's the Spirit. Okay? So remember that at home, you have some pain move. It's it's the Holy Spirit telling you, like, ding, 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 ding. I know what to do now. Father in Jesus' said, get off of me. That's all you got to do. Greater ones than you. All right? So I need to pray. We need to pray because I don't know what to do now. I was Trying to think of a bunch more (laughs) stories to to prolong this because I don't know what we're doing yet. But all right, let's get quiet and listen to the Lord and ask Him, Father God. What prophetic act do you want us to do as a congregation this morning? Have a thought, uh, vision, imagination of something, Dale. What do you see? Uh, 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 Awesome. Okay. All right, hold up a torch, take it where we go. And Dale felt revival fire to the north, south, east, west. Okay, anybody else feel like they felt something? All right, well, here's what we're going to do. This is a participation sport. Uh, I do not know north, south, east, and west. I do. Gerald help me out with east is <laughs> this way. So we can probably start there, and I can hopefully figure it out the other way. But God will, f- God will help me. <laughs> I never never eat shredded weed or whatever, so... Um, All right, why don't you guys come up? We're going to go this way. Actually, you can just stay there. You can just just, just point this way. And uh, this is the east. Yeah, you want to stand? And let's just declare revival fire to the east, okay? Uh, So on three, we'll say revival fire come. One, two, three. Revival fire come. Yes, Lord. I guess this would be south then. So on three. Revival, fire, come. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. And west. Revival, fire, come. Yes, Jesus. And the north. I love you guys for doing this. Praise God. You see how silly you look. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Revival fire come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now each one of you, hold out your hand, right or right hand, left hand, whatever hand you have, and receive that torch that Matthew saw. Take that revival fire everywhere you go. Not just in these four walls or around us, but everywhere you go, revival fire goes with you. In Jesus' name, everywhere, everywhere, in your house, in the mall, at Walmart, wherever you are at work, revival fire goes with you. In Jesus' name, amen.